Good morning. This morning we are um, <clears throat> going to be working through John, a little bit of the end of chapter 9 and then in the beginning of chapter 10. So we're in the I Am series. And um, today we're talking about where Jesus says, I am the door. And we're going to be walking through that. And so um, to start, you know, um, oftentimes in ways that we honor the word is we stand. But this morning I want to read it in a very slow pace, um, the passage, and just invite you to reflect, just to listen, just to hear. Um, Be tuned in to the spirit as he might be prompting you to pick up on a word or a phrase in what you hear this morning. So I'm going to be um, picking up in verse 35, and what has happened prior to verse 35 is that um, Jesus has come across a blind man with his disciples, and the, the disciples ask Jesus this question, you know, like, is, is this guy blind because he is, um, it's his sin, or is it the sin of, you know, his family? Like, where, why is he blind? And, um, and Jesus starts engaging the man, and he starts talking to them, and he says, you know, it's not, he's not blind because of sin, he's blind so that my glory could be revealed, you know, through this. And he starts engaging the man, and he bends down, you know, and he gets, makes the mud, and he puts it on his eyes, and he sends the man to the, the pool of Siloam to go wash, and he does, and he goes and he washes, and he, he, and he sees, you know, his, his sight is restored. And um, he gets all excited, you know, and then everybody starts talking, the town, and everybody is like, what happened? What's going on, you know? And um, people start saying, like, is that, wasn't that the guy who was blind? And they're like, no, that's a different guy. And then he's like, no, I am that guy. And, you know, and all this kind of, like, commotion builds. And it builds to the place where he ends up in the synagogue before the Pharisees, and they're like, who healed your sight, and what's going on? They call in his parents. Was he blind at birth? You know, and they're all accusatory, and they're all like, this can't be of God. And the man who's blind looks at the Pharisees, and he's like, I don't know who else it would be. You know, if it's not of God, then I don't know who else it would be. And the Pharisees, like, they lose it, and they cast him out, and they kick him out. And so now this man who, you know, probably spent most of his life trying to be a part of the synagogue and a part of that, is no longer covered, you know, by, by the Pharisees, but he is outcast. And verse 35 is where Jesus follows up with him again. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see, may see. And those who see, may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? 
Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God, we thank you for your word. We recognize that there's just so much truth in this passage, Father. So we just pray that your spirit would be working in us this morning as we walk through this passage, Lord, that your, your spirit would be directing us to the truths that we need to hear, that it would reveal to us um, insecurities or lies that we may have believed that we need to let go and embrace you as the door in our life. Amen. There's a really cool thing that the blind man does here. <clears throat> he starts off by not having any idea who this guy Jesus is, you know, and Jesus heals his sight, and he references this guy as a man, you know. He's like, he's like this really good man who, like, healed my sight, you know. And if you look back, you know, he even addresses him that way. He, um, he says in verse 36, and who is he, sir? You know, like, it's just this, like, very polite, you know, identity identifying, but, but Jesus says, the son of man, you know, and once, once the blind man recognizes that Jesus is the son of man, he believes, right, and so he affirms, yes, you are the son of man, so he goes from just seeing Jesus as a man to seeing him as the son of man, and then because he understands that, he goes to calling Jesus Lord and worshiping him, and there's this like progression of the relationship 
between the blind man and Jesus, that he goes from just being this good guy to being this person who is the son of man, who is his Lord, who is worthy of his worship. In our own walk, you know, there's that like, the more we know, right, of Jesus, the more we embrace who he is, then we get to like get called deeper and deeper into an intimate worship of God, our Father. And, and this correlates with the whole I am the door piece, right? Which is oftentimes we hear in terms of um, kind of like salvation, you know, like, oh, Jesus is the door. And so we believe in it and it's salvation. It's great, yes. But there's so much more to Jesus being the door in this passage that we're going to walk through. And so Jesus gets to this place where he names himself this way, and he names himself in the context. Because, you see, the, sh- the blind man was cast out. He wasn't able to be safe. He wasn't able to have a home, a place where he could go and worship. And Jesus recognizes this. And in this conversation, he, you know, he, he goes to him and he says, are you going to hear my voice? Are you going to listen to me as I tell you who I am? And are you going to engage? And there happened to be some Pharisees around at the time as well. And so clearly they're overhearing. They're a little skeptical, to say the least, of Jesus. And they ask too, like, are, are we blind? You know, can we see? One of the commentaries says, the blind who come to sight are those who, admitting their helplessness and inability, trust Jesus for salvation. Those who see and become blind are those whose self-trust and pride blinds them to the wonders of Jesus. He does not condemn them by making them blind. They blind themselves by rejecting him. And Satan contributes to that blinding. Throughout scripture, we see that the Pharisees are always juxtaposed in this way. They're the ones that don't see. They're the ones that don't get it. They're the ones that are immersed in, in, the, in the Pentateuch. They know the scriptures, but yet they still don't see Jesus when he comes before them. And it comes back to their pride and their selfishness over and over again. First, uh, Second Corinthians 4.4 4 speaks this too. He says, in their case, the God, lowercase g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light, which if you were here last week, right, we talked about Jesus the light of the world. He says, I am the light. He says, so to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we go from this kind of like a sheep without a shepherd, right? The blind man, he's a sheep now without a shepherd because the Pharisees, they didn't lead him to a place of, of confession, to a place of restoration, to um, a place of celebration and worship. No, they, they cast him out. They kicked him out. 
And Jesus comes to him and he says, there's this guy, he's this lost sheep. And Jesus comes to the blind man and he says, this is who I am. I'm your shepherd. Are you going to hear my voice? Are you going to come with me? And the blind man says, yes, right? He worships. When we're a sheep without a shepherd, when we're a blind man with now no faith community, there's fear. There's loneliness. There's danger that's available, right? And this is the, the Second Corinthians talks to that. That when we are blinded, it keeps us from seeing the light. And so we're susceptible to lies and distractions and all this stuff because we don't have the belief. And unbelief is a way that we often are blinded, not only to who Jesus is, but to what he wants and what he leads and what he guides and what he's calling us to. Jesus then goes into chapter 10. Well, he doesn't because we made up the chapters. But in chapter 10, he goes on to say that Jesus talks about being the shepherd is the one who enters by the door and that to him, the gatekeeper opens. During like the winter months when it was cold, the shepherds would all often kind of stay close to town. And so each night, because it would be too cold to stay out in the fields, they'd come to town, and there would be one common pen that um, all the shepherds of that in that area would bring their sheep. And so you'd have, oh, however many shepherds were there, you'd have that number of flocks in the pen all just mixed together, just kind of being there. And you had the gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper had an important job because he was supposed to be the guard of that doorway. And what would happen is that the shepherd would come to the gatekeeper and say, I'm ready to take my flock out to pasture. And the gatekeeper would say, okay, I know you. Yeah, you're the shepherd. And he would open the door and the shepherd would give his call. And sheep might not be the smartest animal, but they know their shepherd's call. And so the sheep that belonged to that particular shepherd would come and follow him out. And they would go out to pasture. And then the other shepherds, their sheep would stay. Because that call to them is the call of a stranger. So they don't go. And this is how Jesus begins revealing his identity, begins to reveal who he is in this part. And he talks about, I'm the shepherd, and I'm coming to the gate, and the gatekeeper is opening the door. And I'm giving my call, and my sheep will come out. And the gatekeeper opens because I am a shepherd. I am your shepherd. And so he's telling this blind man, right, and, this, and his disciples and, every, and the Pharisees who are hanging around listening, they're like, I am your shepherd. God has opened the door for you to come into my fold, into my flock. goes on and he contrasts how the stranger may try to speak but he won't be heard by the sheep because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd 
that analogy didn't seem to stick as well. And so uh, it says, you know, in this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So he tries again. But this time, he makes it very specific. It's not that the door was just opened for him, but he goes and says, I am the door. And for this analogy, we, we look to when the shepherds were actually out in the fields. And so when it was, you know, the warmer months where they could hang out in the pastures and, and they could take their sheep from one pasture to another, overnight they would house their flock in pens that were out in the pastures. And so this might be a cave. Uh, it might be some sort of other natural structure. It might be a, um, a mud brick fence kind of thing or rocks put around. And however it is, it's, it's all enclosed on all four sides except there's one opening. And the shepherd gets his flock in there to, for protection and to be all together at night. And what the shepherd does is he lays his body across the opening of that enclosed area. And he is physically the door to the fold. So nothing comes in that is not allowed in, and no sheep get out that should be out. But the shepherd lays there and guards the going in and the coming out of the sheep. And so Jesus says, I am the door. And this isn't, this is where it gets deeper, right? Because we could just say, oh yeah, yeah, it's about being a part of the flock, believing in Jesus, it's salvation. Yes, it is that. But it is so much more. Because it's about the relationship of the sheep with their shepherd. It's about the posture that we engage Jesus. It's the voice that we listen to. Jesus uses this picture of shepherding. Paul uses this picture of um, building a house and building a structure. And so in Ephesians 2, we see this reflected again by Paul, this idea of the door that Jesus is giving us access to the fold, giving us access to being a part of the body of Christ. And This Ephesians passage, this um, chapter 2, 18 through 22, is, is foundational for the church. It is a truth that, um, that we must stand on to be the church. It says, for through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
this is not just, um, these are not words just for the Ephesians. And these aren't words that were just said by Paul, but these are words that are for us today. Not just only me here, not just you there, but for the church. A shepherd, when the shepherd calls, when the shepherd uses his voice and he calls his sheep into the pen, he takes his staff and he lays it across the entrance of the pen. And that staff forces the sheep to get down and crouch down. And they get down and they crouch down because when they do that, they're in a position that makes them vulnerable and makes them slow down. And it helps the shepherd see their sheep. And the shepherd, they know their sheep. They, they usually pick names for them like brown ear or like two socks, you know, those kind of things where they, you know, it's nothing too complicated like Joe or Simon or something like that. So, you know, you're like, which one was Joe? I don't know. But like brown ear, well, he's got a brown ear, so it's nice and easy. But they name their sheep and they can look at them and they call them and they come in and as they're crouching down and they're this posture, right, they're vulnerable, the shepherd looks at each one. And he says, okay, how did you do out in the pasture today? Did you get snagged on something? Did you get a bunch of burrs on you? Are you okay? Are you doing well? And he looks over each sheep as they come into the fold. This Ephesians passage is that for us. Like, are we... Are we walking as fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone? The foundation of Jesus and us walking in this posture that we get down, we get vulnerable, we get submissive to Jesus so that he can see, are we okay? Are, is there a wound that needs tended to? Is there something that got stuck to us that we need taken off? Are we good? Hebrews 10, 20 is um, another passage that speaks to this as well. And I'm actually going to start uh, Hebrews 10, go to Back to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
These are the words of the voice of our shepherd, calling us to the full assurance of our faith, calling us to the foundation of Jesus Christ and what we stand upon. And the purpose in Ephesians and Hebrews is the same. To enter the holy places. To become a temple of the living God. There is a holiness. There is a sacredness. There is a a process that God wants to use us to establish in us this foundation of holiness and righteousness and a temple that is set to bring him glory and honor and praise. But Jesus in John 10, he doesn't end with just about the protection of the walls. He doesn't end with just about being in the fold and him being the door. He goes on and at the end of 10, not the end of 10, but verse 9 in chapter 10, he talks about the going in and the going out. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Barclay says, when a man can go in and out without fear, it means that his country is at peace, that the forces of law and order are supreme, and that he enjoys perfect security. When we are in the pen, there's just this like confidence, right? There's, we can know and we can trust that there's safety and security. We are enclosed on all walls. Jesus, the door, he's guarding what comes in, what comes out. We can trust him to do that. And so there is no need for fear. There's no need for anxiety. There's no need for insecurities that want to be present in us. But we can just trust Jesus. We can trust that the one who is being the door is fully able, fully capable to fulfill that role and not disappoint. But then we can also trust, we can also have faith that as we are called into the pen, as we're called out of the pen, that Jesus is with us. That as long as we're listening to his voice, as long as we're walking and following him, that there is a safety and a security that is available no matter where we are, as long as it is with our shepherd. This Barclay had give this illustration, one of his, um, I'm talking about this passage of a, a, a goat herder. And so he had this herd of goats, and he was out in the pasture with his goats, and the, um, the goats had kind of wandered down one side of the valley up to the other side and found a really lovely patch of grass. And they were just feasting away, as they do, and very content and very pleased with themselves finding this patch of grass. And, and the shepherd is on the other side of the valley, and he's watching his flock, sees that they're doing okay, but it's now time to move on. It's time to go. And, and so he, um, he has his call, and, and I don't know if you know shepherd's calls, but they're, they're like the clicks and the clacks. They're, I don't know, it's like not even 
like a language. It's like its own language, I should say. Yeah, and so he calls. And some of the goats just kind of like look and I guess where goats bray. I don't know what they, you know, they make their little sounds and they go back to eating. But one goat in particular, a goat that has been trained to be the leader, who also has a bell around his neck, Here's the call, stops grazing, runs across the valley back up to the shepherd. And, and the, they kinda, the goats talk back and forth a little bit, and the, and the other goats that stayed with the grass, like they, they notice that the lead goat left, but they stay. They want the grass, they want to eat it, it's good. And maybe that's, you know, Whatever, that's what goats do, right? They find good grass and they eat it. So they're just doing what they thought they do. So the shepherd, now that he has his lead goat, he turns his back on the flock and he walks away. And they go kind of around a cleft of a rock and once they're out of sight, all the other goats begin to get nervous. They start making their noises and the lead goat answers them And within a few minutes, the whole herd is down through the valley up the other side to catch up to the shepherd. They listen to the voice. The shepherd watched over the goats going in and going out. He saw them grazing. He he knew there was something better for them. He had to take them on. He calls them from something that they thought was good, and he takes them on the journey Numbers 27, 17. God is talking to Moses. And he says to Moses, he says, go out before them and come in before them. You shall lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. And he gives this directive to Moses to speak to Joshua, son of Nun. The Lord doesn't leave his sheep unshepherded. He calls for people to be put in those places, those positions, so that they can go out before them, go out before the sheep, just like that, that goat did, right? And come in before them, bringing them out and in. Deuteronomy 28.6 says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed you will be when you go out. See, when we're walking in obedience, when we're listening to the voice, and when we're hearing and obeying, so much blessing in the going in and the going out. Jesus says, we'll go in and go and out and find pasture. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. 
abundantly. And that's God's promise. Jesus, the door, not just to our salvation, but to our ability to go in and out, to have life abundantly, to live without fear, to live without anxiety, to live without concern, because we can trust a shepherd who loves us. We can trust a shepherd who knows us by name. We can trust a shepherd who makes sure that we are cared and loved. But God, we just thank you for your son. We thank you that you have opened the gate for him. That he is our shepherd. And uh, he is the door by which we go in and out. He is the door by which we get to commune with you. Father, it's his voice that we listen to now. It's his voice that we ask leads us personally, leads us as a church, leads us as people following Christ in this region. It's his voice that leads us as a nation. It's his voice that just leads. Father, give us ears so we may hear.